0: Welcome to Pro-Life in 7 Minutes, the show where I spend over 20 minutes teaching you how you can persuade a pro-choice person in only 7. I'm your host, Katherine Burrow. I'm the co-founder and executive director of the Abortion Dialogue Academy, also known as ADA. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Quick reminder, this episode is going to be building on concepts that we covered in season one and some of the concepts that we talked about in last week's episode. If you haven't listened to season one yet or the first episode of season three, I would go back and review that before you dive into this episode. So last week's episode, we talked about back alley abortion arguments, which in a back alley abortion, it is the act of killing the fetus that puts the woman's life at risk. Now, today's episode is going to be on a life of the mother situation or a life of the mother argument. And in a life of the mother argument, it is the pregnancy itself that is putting the mother's life at risk. So I just want to clarify that really quick. Back alley abortion, it is the act, it is the procuring of the abortion that is the danger to the woman. In a life of the mother scenario, it is the pregnancy itself that is the danger to the woman's life. So, I've been giving people advice on how to talk about life of the mother scenarios since the beginning of my career. And what's interesting is my advice is typically not what people expect. And on this episode, I'm going to not just give you my advice, but I'm also going to explain the logic behind it. And my advice is. If someone brings up a life of the mother situation, do not argue with them. Don't argue with them. Build common ground with them and then move on to a different topic in the conversation. So like last week's episode, before I teach you the specific words that I use when I'm talking about this issue, I'm going to first talk about all of the most common things I hear pro-life people say and why a lot of these common ways that we respond to life of the mother arguments are unhelpful and unpersuasive. Typically, I hear pro-life people say three things when someone brings up a life of the mother situation. The first thing I hear them say is they kind of deny more or less the existence of these scenarios. Typically, this isn't a flat out life of the mother scenarios don't exist, but it's something more to the effect of abortions never really needed in these scenarios because with today's modern medical technology, there's always something doctors can do. Now, the reason you shouldn't say this is because it's not actually true. The most common black and white life of the mother scenario is an ectopic pregnancy. 2% of all pregnancies are ectopic pregnancies. And what this is, is instead of the zygote, the baby implanting in the uterus, it implants in the fallopian tubes. And with our current medical technology, doctors cannot move the baby and he or she cannot grow to term in that location and is essentially doomed to die. And to further complicate things, if doctors don't do anything to intervene, the unborn child can actually grow large enough that he or she ruptures the fallopian tube and causes hemorrhaging and internal bleeding, which can actually kill the mother. So I like to use ectopic pregnancies as an example of a life of the mother scenario because they are so black and white. There is no way to save the baby with our current medical technology, but doing nothing also puts the woman's life at risk, which is why even the Catholic Church says that in these scenarios, scenarios, intervention should be allowed. Now, people get a little nitty gritty about what type of intervention is moral versus immoral. I'm not going to go into those details. I'm just using this example to show you that saying to a pro-choice person, well, life of the mother scenarios aren't real is not a true statement. Now, the next thing I hear pro-life people say is something to the effect of, well, it's not that these life of the mother scenarios don't exist. It's that they're just not as frequent as people make them out to be. So these are any comments along the lines of, well, these scenarios are really rare. They don't happen as often as people talk about them. You should really get a second opinion from a doctor. They're just really quick to force abortion on people nowadays. All of these kind of sentiments. Now, the reason that this is unhelpful and unpersuasive to say in a conversation is the same reason that it was unhelpful to talk about the frequency of back alley abortions, which is what we chatted about in our last episode. When you talk about how frequently something happens... It always comes across to the pro-choice person like you're just not taking it very seriously. Like you're saying to them, "Eh, we don't need to worry about that because that's just not going to happen. And that feels very uncompassionate to the pro-choice person. Like you don't really care about the women who find themselves in these very difficult medical situations. Now, obviously, that is not what pro-life people actually think. That's not what they are trying to communicate when we say these things. But the interesting thing about apologetics is even if the things that we're saying is true, what matters is what is the pro-choice person going to hear? How are they going to interpret what we've just told them? And in this scenario, they're going to interpret you as not really caring about women in these life-threatening situations. And then the last thing I hear people do is kind of a labeling argument where genuine life of the mother scenario is like an ectopic pregnancy. They don't want to call the intervention an abortion. It's like this idea of, well, an abortion is an elective procedure. And with a life of the mother scenario, like the woman doesn't have a lot of choices. So calling an abortion isn't isn't accurate. And I've met women who've had ectopic pregnancies and had to, you know, have an intervention done to save their life And a lot of them don't like referring to that as an abortion because in their mind, they're like, I really wanted this baby. It was so tragic that they couldn't do anything to save the baby. And it was just it didn't feel right to them to call it an abortion. So I'm not here to police those women and how they want to define their own personal experience. But I will tell you that if you're a pro-life person and you're talking to a pro-choice person and you're trying to define some procedures that kill the fetus as an abortion and some procedures that kill the fetus as not an abortion, it's going to come across to the pro-choice person as like, how do I say this? Inconsistent and hypocritical, for lack of a better word. Like you have to do this weird, arbitrary picking and choosing what you call an abortion and what you don't so that you can stay consistent with your pro-life view. I think it makes the pro-life position seem much more extreme and also a lot weaker and kind of sillier than it actually is. Because the truth is, is that intervention when there's a life of the mother situation is not disaligned with the pro-life view. The pro-life view is that the unborn is a innocent person like you and I, and it should be illegal to kill innocent people. And most people believe this. Most people believe that it should be illegal to kill innocent people. And the only real exception that tends to come up universally is in the case of genuine self-defense. Like we've all seen a sci-fi movie where there's some innocent person that's coerced into committing some act of terror. Typically, they don't want to do it. They're just being blackmailed or their family's being threatened or whatever. We've all seen this movie more or less. And typically, people try and save this, you know, innocent aggressor in these movies. But everyone recognizes that if someone's pointing a gun at you and threatening to kill you, it is okay to use lethal force to save your own life if that's really your only option. This is where a life of the mother scenario really falls is it's yes, it should be illegal to kill an innocent person, but there are scenarios where the woman has to do something to protect her own life and to save her own life that does result unfortunately in the death of the fetus because with our current medical technology we're not able to save both lives. So, why do I recommend that you not argue life of the mother scenarios? And what do I recommend you say instead? Well, the real reason why I don't think you should argue life of the mother scenarios, which talking about the frequency they happen, denying they exist, arguing about how we label them, that all in my mind counts as, you know, arguing with the pro-choice person. The reason I don't think you should disagree with the pro-choice person on this topic is because people are not pro-choice because of life of the mother scenarios. See, if someone thinks that a life of the mother scenario justifies abortion, they're either already pro-life and they just they're confused about what the pro-life position means. Like they think the pro-life position is like, well, you just have to be pregnant or die. Or they're pro-choice because they think the fetus is not a person. And talking about life of the mother scenario is not actually going to convince them to be pro-life. You actually have to talk about personhood. In fact, talking about life with mother scenarios with someone who is assuming that the fetus is not a person is a surefire way to have the portrayed person conclude that you are crazy because you have to think about it from their perspective. They view the fetus like a, like a cavity, so to speak. And you're telling them that a woman has to die because she can't remove a cavity because that cavity has human cells in it. Like that's how they're going to hear you. And they're just going to think this person is crazy. And when they're sitting there thinking this person is crazy. They're not very calm typically, and they're not really listening to our arguments and really processing through what we're saying. So with all that being said, here's what I actually say in these situations. I say the following to the pro-choice person. I agree that sometimes there are life-threatening pregnancies and doctors have to intervene in order to save the mother's life in a way that ends up killing the fetus. And I agree with you that that should be legal. I just want doctors to approach these situations like they have two patients, not just one. So the reason I recommend this response is three reasons. The first is life of the mother scenarios can get really morally and medically complicated. And if the pro person doesn't even think that there are two patients, if they literally think there's just the mother and that the fetus is not a person, well, debating with them about these moral and medical intricacies is really not a productive Conversation to be having because you and the pro choice person are not even on the same page about how many patients doctors should be trying to save. The pro choice person is going to enter this debate treating the fetus probably more like a limb. Like, yeah, doctors don't want to have to amputate a limb if they don't have to, but that's a very different approach than there are two patients and you're trying to save both of their lives. So if you're not even on the same page, the debate is not going to be very productive, not to mention the fact that unless you and the pro choice person you're talking to, are both you know high risk OB or moral theologians? A lot of times, I think we don't even have enough information to really effectively talk about what are all the options in these really complicated medical situations. The second reason I love this response is because it uses some classic pro-choice talking points, so to speak. Pro-choice people love to talk about trusting doctors. And what we're actually saying here is like, yeah, like we agree. As long as these doctors are treating this situation like there are two patients involved, we 100% want to trust their medical expertise in this area. But notice that 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 caveat there, that thing that I threw in at the end about them treating the situation like there are two patients. And this is the fundamental difference between typically ourselves and the pro-choice person is, are there two patients involved? Is the unborn a human person that deserves to have a medical team trying to save their life like the mother deserves that? And that leads us to a discussion of personhood. Are there actually two patients involved? And that's the real source of this debate and the thing we really need to be talking to pro-choice people about when we're trying to convince them of the pro-life position. To wrap up this episode, if you want that little Life of the Mother soundbite that I told you earlier in the episode, that is on the Life of the Mother workbook page, which is in the workbook PDF, which all of you on our email list should have already gotten emailed to you. If you are not on our email list and you would like to get our workbook, you can sign up at www.abortiondialogacademy.org slash podcast or by clicking in the link in the show notes below. Next week, we're gonna talk about one of the hardest situations that women ever find themselves in, which is pregnant after rape. So we're gonna talk about how do you talk about abortion in the case of rape? That'll be next week's episode, so tune in for that. If you like today's episode, you can help support the channel by leaving us a five-star review. Make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss an episode. And if you haven't yet, sign up for our podcast email list on our website. That's wwwabortiondialogacademyorg slash podcast. That way you get all the training exercises from the show delivered right to your inbox. Now I will see all of you next Saturday as I continue to teach you how you can persuade someone to be pro-life, In seven minutes. Until next week, God bless.